You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and we have Nick Friesen from uh, the uh, wonderful enclave of uh, Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba. Uh, Nick, welcome on to the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. Thanks for having me from the geographical center of Canada, Ken. Yes, central central city, mid-city, right in the middle, right? Yeah, man. It's yeah, like right when you like say you drive about a half hour outside the city, there's like a sign that says you are in the longitudinal center of Canada right now. So that is uh that is where we're at, middle province, baby. Yeah, but sometimes people think middle and they don't think exciting. Everybody has to go to the extreme <laughs> one side or the other. The middle the middle is the meeting spot here. So um everybody uh Nick Nick's a, a, a talented artist and uh one really cool thing about looking uh, at his work as we're talking um, uh, music in a, a variety of forms. Uh, Nick, I've heard you describe yourself as a curator, which I think uh, is obvious. <laughs> Once you show any backgrounds around where you are, the comic um, uh, Olivia C., which is uh, just just a, an enthralling, colorful, energetic um, thing that you work on. And of course, thank you. The conceit behind the, you're welcome, the behind the Olivia C is this um, fictional group universe where if you hear those words and that makes you excited, then that's <laughs> that that's where we are. But um, uh, we, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff in about art itself, but uh, you're releasing uh, new Olivia C and it's such a fascinating project like what's 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 the jam what's the olivia c's jam what's going on so yeah I, maybe i'll give you a quick like the quick history lesson on uh, on this project so it's a multimedia project uh the name of the character is olivia c and i mean this was a character that i started out just kind of like drawing on other posters for like other bands and stuff in winnipeg or like anytime there was anything i needed to put a character it was like her and her little robot four track I started putting them on on different posters and it just kind of started taking on this life. And then a buddy of mine, we were jamming on some tunes and like testing out recording equipment. And we both had our own bands, but I was like, hey, do you just want to come over and test out this equipment? And his name's Andy Cole and he has a bunch of bands like uh, Eagle Lake Owls, Great Wealth, Hearing Trees. He's an incredible multi-instrumentalist and songwriter. And we'd never jammed on anything before. And we spent an afternoon and we made like five or six songs like, just switching instruments like okay i'm gonna sit on the drums and you're gonna be on guitar and then i'm gonna sit on bass and you're gonna be on drums and just kind of switching it up and those songs sat there for maybe a year or two and at the other time like i'd been writing in various incarnations like short stories and screenplays and all this different stuff this character olivia c and her story and kind of growing that character and then out of the blue one day i was just like dude what if these are olivia c's songs and he's like oh i like that and yeah. then it became finding the right voice for the character, knowing that there would be an animated component as well, because I've been doing these hand-drawn animated music videos yeah. for other musicians. Um, and so there'd be that. And then so we needed someone who could be an actor and a singer. And I talked to a few different singers and they were like, I don't know, this is kind of confusing. I don't want to confuse it with my other like existing musical projects and I was like, well, yeah, but it's like Gorillas or Gem and the Holograms or the Archies or whatever, right? Like it's an animated band. It's like Prozac. Like you'll just kind of, you'll be behind it, you know? Like, so maybe yeah. no one really needs to know it's you, but they were just kind of like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then I remembered I'd met this, this young actress who was also uh, a really talented, uh, trained singer, like musicals, but also like jazz and all this other stuff. And I was like... I just kind of cold called her and took her for a coffee. And coincidentally, her name is Olivia Rain. And uh, I was like, look, like, I've only met you like once or twice, but this is the project. And are you interested? Like, do you like ever listen to any like indie rock? Like, it's very like, like the band Always or The National sometimes, but it's also got like a little bit of twang sometimes, like a little Wilco, you know, like, so it's just kind of whatever comes out. And she's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll sing whatever. I'll give this a go. And <laughs> it's, it's been going that way for uh, for a few years now. And we put out an EP called Purposeful Movements. And 
at that point, Andy and Olivia still hadn't met each other. Like Olivia came in and recorded her vocals on those existing tracks. And then my buddy, Matt Powers, who he's been in a, num a number of other bands in Winnipeg, like Vampires and Midnight Review Presents. Um, he's an amazing drummer and songwriter and multi-instrumentalist in his own right. But he was just like, dude, we've been talking about doing something for a while. Like this could be the thing. And so I bring in Matt and Andy and Olivia one weekend um, before the pandemic happened and we recorded the second record, um, Artificial Landscape, Artificial Heart. And that one I did a uh, like a Simpsons style animated music video yeah. for a song called I Choo Choo Choose You, um, which I think is like our most watched video. So that's very cool. Um, and also like Winnipeg and the Simpsons have a very big like there's lots of references like that's it back to Winnipeg, stuff like that. So I was like, you know, let's let's play around with that a little bit. Um, and I believe that like Matt Groening's family is from Winnipeg, like Homer is a Winnipegger type of thing uh, in real life. So there's all that to it. But then also like I was like, OK, so I had been kind of crafting this like animated film, this story to go along with it. And my wife says to me, like, you're getting into comics more and more. Wouldn't it be more fun and a lot less time consuming if you uh, maybe... <laughs> what a combo <laughs> yeah like that's uh, that's my jam like let's uh let's let's do this let's make it all easier on ourselves so uh so over the pandemic i i started to uh do it as comics like taking the existing stuff that i'd already created uh for this hand-drawn animation and i you know i pencil and i ink and then i digitally color and so that was how things were going and i wound up working on it's like 140 page graphic novel uh and then i was like oh man like yeah this is this is a thing now but i want to start going to like comic shows and things and i'm so i'm gonna have to make up some quick little like mini comics and zines and things like that and so last october i went to toronto for canzine uh and i brought this along with me here i'm holding up here this is the first issue of the unpredictable Olivia C. It's a 20 page black and white comic color covers. And it's so it's like a prequel to the uh the graphic novel that nobody's read. But I'm also I think I'm gonna turn the graphic novel into uh into 20 page floppies as well, just to like keep it going as a series and then probably do it all as one big thing. Um so that is the very long and involved <laughs> story. And I mean the the character too she's 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 a you know she's an indie rocker she's she's got uh girl issues you know she's got a crush on this one girl in her dance class and you know her girlfriend's jealous of that and but she's also she becomes a vigilante at night um and uh and she's a waitress and she's a ballerina and all this other stuff so yeah i i i love it and it just, <laughs> you know you mentioned in trying to wrap up with the, all that all that stuff and just pausing for a moment yeah like yeah uh it, it, it's a, it's a really cool format and i think what i'm pausing is is like knowing your uh enjoyment of uh comics and uh you know and and, and myself as well is such a the the vibrancy of it right so immediately i see i see your work and i see all that color and i see this character and i'm all in because i can jump Thanks. quickly into that so and it's it's a special thing for me i've always done it uh my life and i also think what's what's really cool is I don't know, just to dig into, like, you had an ad in uh, one of our favorite comics that we share, Santos Sisters by Greg and oh, Phoebe. so good, eh? You know, it's a great comic, and I've been having it on the podcast, and I, uh, the it's so fantastic. And then you and I are talking, we, we were bound to run into each other, at least me with the Winnipeg thing I was going to run into <laughs> at some point. And uh, so, like, I've always wanted to you know, get into Winnipeg, but then on one page, we've got Olivia C ad. And on one side, you get the something rather than nothing podcast QR code. So if you have that issue, folks, Santos sisters, yep. number three, we're all in the same spot right in the comic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet thing. And like, I mean, I love that old school vibe that the Santos sisters is like, it's, it's printed on newsprint. Like I've done some mini comics that way. Cause you can buy sheets of newsprint. Like, I don't know where they're getting a newsprint comic printed these days, but like, it's got that, like, that old school uh, Archie comics vibe, but in like a really like twisted, hilarious setting, like that's totally different than, uh, than what the Archie's ever got into. But it's also got that, like that great, like, I don't know. I just kind of, the way I draw it's, it's what comes out. So it's kind of this, like, like a, it's like a clear line, kind of like a Tintin Hergé thing. It's kind of like a Dan Klaus, like I'm nowhere near 
as amazing as Dan Klaus, obviously nobody is, um, but like very like realistic, but with a cartoony feel and then like very flat colors, you know, like I don't do like, like the airbrushy thing. Like I want it to look like, like the cartoons very much feel like a seventies Hanna-Barbera type of thing. And that's the same vibe that I'm giving with the comics because that's just what comes out of me. Like I'm not trying to make it look a certain way. That's just what it is. And that's what I love. Um, so yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, like I, I back and forth a little with Greg and fake on Instagram there and they, they uh, seem to like what I'm throwing down to. And that's a huge compliment when someone that you love is uh, gives, gives you the the nod, like you're all right, kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, one of the things uh, on, on the podcast and uh, it's great to have you because you, you, you're, you're an artist who does a lot of different things, who thinks of these combinations. And, and, and I love that. Um, but I always love within my episodes dropping into comic books, comic book culture, illustrators. I've had uh, Joelle Jones on. I've had um, uh, friends uh, in the, in the Portland area. Um, you know, we did a what if episode, which is like two and a half hours, which is the episode I always wanted to talk <laughs> like. You know, it's like kind of the podcast area where you're like, I'm not too sure here. We're two and a quarter hours into what if, <laughs> but I do have one of those episodes. We got it all out, but um, just like dropping into comics with the with the podcast, it's 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 really fun. It's really mm-hmm. fun. That's one of the reasons I I, I, I do it, and uh, I really enjoy, uh, you know, you coming out with the material that 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 you have coming out. And the uh, gosh, I have it written right here on the top cassettes right yeah man so because i was going to these shows and uh talking to you know like it's like a real diy zines and things like that so and i'd only put out olivia c on like it's on streaming your spotify your apple whatever and it's on Bandcamp. um but i wanted something physical to be able to sell at these at these comic shows and so yeah we got uh we got little cassettes i printed up a small run of cassettes uh, I, I've been in bands over the years and I've always very much DIY'd everything. So even just to send off and get like a physical copy of uh, Olivia C's Crusherama cassette tape, uh, it's very cool. And so like at that first show that I went to in Toronto last year, it was like people were going like, okay, like what's what's the deal here? And I was like, well, this is my character and this is her tape and blah, blah, blah. And people are like, so what's on the tape? I was like, it's real music. Like we've made multiple albums worth of songs for this character and this idea and it just like people don't know what to think of it but uh yeah it's, where is it's, the person <laughs> where is yeah she uh doesn't doesn't exist but to some that's the thing too it's like you can just enjoy the music or you can enjoy the comics or you can enjoy the lore like i've heard like you know campus radio in canada and in the states like playing olivia c and not knowing if she's real or not and like sometimes they're just like yeah here's a new uh artist from Canada and it's Olivia C and sometimes <laughs> they're like they're like trying to figure out the thing they're like I did some googling <laughs> so that's pretty fun but it's just like I don't know like it just it's I don't want to have to rely on a gimmick but this is the way that this project organically came out it's also like not a big time commitment for the other musicians right so if we get together once or twice a year and make a few songs and like right now the way we're releasing it is like each comic issue is going to have a single released alongside it. So I just put out issue two uh, and the new single is called Lottie in the black and white room. And so that's on streaming. And then if you go, there's a QR code in issue two, that'll take you to the band camp. And that actually has like a couple of B sides and stuff, but that is all the songs that are in the issue. So there's four songs in the new issue. Uh, so you can read along and listen along while you're reading the issue. Uh, which is kind of like a fun multimedia. It's like a book on tape, you know, like when we were kids, which is which is what I, I listened to. I still have my little red uh, Sony Walkman that took four AA batteries, and I'd listen to my books on tape and like just uh, just jam it out. So there's 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 really something to that. I I, I keep bumping into this, and you know, I don't know if let me know your thoughts, but uh, mm. I um I've so here I I've gone through a lot throughout my life and not really stopped at the small press area the zine area all that type of thing and when i moved out to pacific northwest and was around this type of culture it was you know like dropping into the room right or that comic book story and like oh the universe is over there and i started um to do that and um uh it's been a huge change and it's it's a beautiful dynamic to be in and to see all these things 
But I wanted to zero in on on something that I feel maybe it's just my contact with it, or maybe there's more of it. After the pandemic, people are grabbing after like VHS tapes, uh, mm. the resurgence in CDs, which were like nobody would even look at them uh, yeah. for a period of time. Do you think there's something going on with like just this strong attachment, you know, like right now to tangible media DIY stuff? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like we are, there's guys like you and I that grew up with all this stuff. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I still have a massive collection. I have, I'm looking at a wall on one end of my basement right now that has uh, about 2,400 CDs on it. And then there's another wall that has, you know, a few hundred records and I still have a bunch of cassettes. And then like the physical media I started to get way back into over the pandemic was like physical comic books. Like I'd always grown up with them. Uh, I read a lot of Dark Horse and like, you know, like my bit, my big two guys were like your Spider-Man and your Batman, but like Dark Horse was putting out some great Star Wars books in the nineties. Sure. They had the mask, they had like, you know, um, milk and cheese, like all sorts of great stuff. And then like a lot of Canadian, like, like Chester Brown is one of my favorites. And so oh, yeah. like those guys are just friggin' amazing. Hoche Anderson, um, amazing storytellers and, uh, and cartoonists. But I was really I, I like to physically go to a shop or a flea market or something. And just like, I love the flip through. I love finding something that I'm not going to necessarily like know to look for online or know that it, it exists. Right. And I mean, I think that we also have a generation of kids that didn't grow up with the physical, but are now like, Oh, like I can, I can hold this stuff. Like that's I can possible. Like it's possible to hold yeah. the thing. Yeah, like I don't have to look at it on my phone. Like it's almost like they're rejecting screen time and they're going to like the physical media, whether like I don't think anyone's going to go back to DVDs. Like you, you got your Blu-ray collectors and like that's a big thing that I tapered down. Like I organized my DVDs by director. Like I've got my Wes <laughs> Andersons into the Coen brothers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I've really slowed on that because I subscribe to six streaming services yeah. and I know like, and it's like, okay, like, yes, I'll get the new, um, whatever the new Scorsese when it's out on DVD and just put it on the shelf and feel good about it. But like, and I'll still same with records, same with CDs, but I do not want to read a comic on my phone or on my computer. Uh, I can, but I like the idea of being able to like test it out on there before I buy the physical, but I really do love still that surprise of, of going into a shop and, and having my little list, like I'm doing a, uh, I'm working on a daredevil run right now, uh, which is the first volume is 380 issues, Ken. So <laughs> that's, it's a lot to, and I mean, other style, I'm working on a Marvel GI Joe run. I'm working on a few different runs right now, but yeah, it's uh, some, some issues. It's like very easy to find. You see them in every shop you go to other issues. You're like, okay, I'm going to have to, gonna have to gamble a little bit here and, and maybe order online or something like that but i don't know man like there's still something about the smell and the feel and being able to catalog it and i mean you know if i lived in a small apartment by myself i i wouldn't be able to do that probably but i have <laughs> i have i have a home with a basement uh and i have enough room and a, and a very very loving trusting wife uh who uh, you know she's like hey you know a lot of people have a lot worse uh, vices than uh, collecting stuff so. that's that's that that's, <laughs> that's your thing and you're going to run a long time with it i just read the the frank miller electra uh bit uh with the daredevil and it was it was great uh bookstore um, which the podcast works with browsers bookstore, just a couple blocks from me in uh, Albany, Oregon, they had it still in that old plastic. So it was one of those like eighties, you know, the ones like the yeah, yeah. graphic novels in that plastic where you're like, this is 25 year old plastic and break <laughs> open. And yeah. It's like, so, I read it. Touch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, you know, so it was, it was, um, I, uh, I, I'm a huge, uh, daredevil fan. It sounds like a bit too. And talking about comics, I, I'm a suck. I'm a sucker for the big ones. Uh, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, like, he's like, how you throw that to me every day, but, um, a lot of great, those are, those are cartoons, you know, that I yeah. like the first cartoon I can remember watching is Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Iceman and Firestar. And that's like, I would go to garage sales and I picked up like there was like a little like novel size of the uh, the first six issues of Spider-Man and Amazing Fantasy 15. And it's like someone had like scribbled all over it. But for years, that was like my Spider-Man comic. 
Oh yeah. And I'd carry it with me, you know, like that's, but that's how we, we, we get into it. Like the gateway drug is your big guys, your Batman and your Spider-Man, and, <laughs> you know, or like this, the superpowers TV show. And I had all the action figures and I still do, you know, like, so yeah. No, that's great. I got a, I'm going to folks as part of this too. Uh, we're going to, uh, I need to chat and this might be a little bit weird about Winnipeg, Nick. So I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from. Please, yeah. So I'm the biggest Winnipeg fan out of people who've never been to Winnipeg. So I mean, that's the category. <laughs> that's where I am. Uh, my uh, my sweetie Jenny and I were looking at uh, plane tickets. When we're serious about Winnipeg, well, she's serious because I'm serious about Winnipeg. So yeah. my, my wife's name is Jenny, by the way, as well. So oh, incredible! <laughs> so um, so when I was a kid. Uh, you kid walking around, wasn't a big hockey fan, grew up in New England. It was a Boston Celtics, Red Sox, all the type of thing. But I always like was really fascinated by hockey. And I, I, I just chose, I was a Bruins fan. No doubt about that. That's the way you got to live. I, I was also a Winnipeg Jets fan far away. No strong attachment to the team. <laughs> no explanation why. And of course, you know, Winnipeg lost their Jets and, and then they were back right around the time I really got into hockey like i was studying it more i never played it i was reading jets history i was getting my gear and it's like boston and winnipeg so i got into the winnipeg thing and then um i just wanted to know more now the entry point was labor history so i'm a union uh rep in my 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 day job so i started reading about these uh, incredible uh, movements in winnipeg the 1919 general strike yeah right the general strike and uh, i'm like well you know you're not gonna bump into these things in 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 this world so i i read about that and uh maybe bumped into i believe it was um my winnipeg the short black and white film yeah the, the guy madden film yeah there's guy madden a... film which was uh wonderful there was uh an actress in there i think her name was kate yakula who played citizen girl and just these yes <laughs> well <laughs> that it's was great my winnipeg is that like so much of it like it's so guy madden is this uh he's black and white film director from winnipeg and he's uh, he, you know, puts Vaseline on the lenses and he shoots on old Super 8 cameras and he's made the saddest music in the world with Isabella Rossellini and, a, and a, a number of incredible films. But a lot of the time, Guy Madden is also a character uh, played by a different actor uh, in two of the films by Darcy Fair. And so Darcy as Guy is trying to escape Winnipeg, but he can't escape is Winnipeg and it was originally just pitched as a documentary but then it turned into this documentary that was also like here's here's the some truth about Winnipeg and some falsehoods about Winnipeg and a lot of the the, the stuff that is insane like if day where a bunch of Winnipeggers dressed up like Nazis and was like what if Nazis occupied Winnipeg that was a thing that was sanctioned by the city in the like 30s or something right like it was just bonkers yeah. um Here's, here's, here's a fun thing. You, you Maybe you'll check out, maybe some of your listeners might want to check out if they're also into Winnipeg, but I actually produce a Winnipeg podcast called One Great History um, that is uh, hosted by Sabrina Janke and Alex Judge, who are two pretty uh, hilarious and uh, smart genius historians uh, that that have worked as, you know, tour guides and historians and stuff in Winnipeg. And uh, yeah, like we we talked about the general strike. We've talked about if day. We've talked about a number of things. We've been doing this uh, podcast for a few years now. So uh, go check out one. Jeez, Nick. I mean, pause, pause, <laughs> pause. All right. Thank you, Nick. This is where it becomes personal. We're doing a show. Yeah. All right. The history podcast. I That's why. These are some of the ancillary or important things that I got you on for <laughs> to pull it together. Um, no, that's great. I love, I love the, I love to dig into that stuff and the, the, the about the podcast itself, the name again, and and where folks find it. And um, so it's it's streaming on your Spotify and your Apple and whatever, and it's called One Great History because for a number of years our slogan was One Great City. Uh, you'd see it on the, uh, you know, the signs now entering Winnipeg, One Great City. Uh, there's a there's a Winnipeg band called The Weaker Thans who has a song called One Great City, um, where the chorus just says, I hate Winnipeg. Um, and it is, uh, yeah, like they're, it's, Winnipeg has this like great, like self-deprecating, like we're bargain crazy, we're stuck in the past, hence when like the Jets left in 95, 96, uh, and then they came back. 
and they were going to be called something other than the Jets, and people practically rioted uh, at Portage in Maine, which is like the big uh, intersection. They should have. They should have. Yeah. I'm making a rin on this, but they should have. <laughs> well, it was like the outcry was so loud that they were like, fine, we'll call them the Jets. Uh, even though anytime they take the ice and say, you're Winnipeg Jets, I say to myself, these aren't my Winnipeg Jets. My Winnipeg Jets are Team Mussolini and Dave Manson and Keith Kachuk <laughs> and Chris Kang and all these older guys. Like now the Winnipeg Jets are younger than me, uh, which really throws <laughs> me off. So um, that, like they're half my age. Uh, it's crazy. But something I, I wanted to show you here, Ken, this is a CD called Hockey Rock. Hockey Rock. Jet style. Have you ever heard about this online? I, I, You are dropping me into a rabbit hole that I will not <laughs> escape for months, but Hockey Rock. Okay, so Hockey Rock was released when in the final year of the Winnipeg Jets in 95, and uh, it was the proceeds would go to the Jets Goals for Kids Foundation, but they had on, they got a bunch of bands together. Um, they got Randy Backman to re-record You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, as that's one hot Russian jet. Oh, no, really? Yep, they got, um, you know, like all sorts of like Canadian hit songs like Colin James and um, Innocence is now Newmanin, you know, like it's just, it's hilarious. Um, it is a rarity uh, to find. I'm sure you can find it online on YouTube or something like that. But yeah, this is this is one of my prized possessions here uh, is Hockey Rock Winnipeg style. And, and um, everybody who's listening, uh, Nick from, uh, Winnipeg is holding up a beautiful <laughs> CD, shiny CD, CD of, uh, of Hockey Rock. Um, <laughs> I will delve into digitally in the, in the, in the near term. And, uh, Hey folks too, uh, uh, Nick had mentioned the track Lottie in the black and white room. That's going to be at the end of the episode. So just wanted to, let you know about that but yeah thanks for a bit uh, dropping into i'm a big film buff sounds like you are and yeah. uh um that uh my my listen about that my winnipeg and uh that's like that's it's super to hear some some more about that yeah but labor history hockey and um you know this and that now i got the podcast in hockey rock um <laughs> to go with wow where are we now hey um, Nick, I heard you. I, I actually did uh, a, a bunch of uh, a research, and I'll, uh, when after you've done research on somebody, you say it out loud because you've done it, right? So <laughs> you but, gotta uh, brag about it, man. That, right, I mean, yeah, flattering. Thank you. You don't have to pretend, you know. <laughs> um, but um, you said this really. Uh, you said this really uh, a cool bit. I think it might have been a podcast, maybe about a, a month ago, with the big uh, music scene, Winnipeg music scene. Uh, mm podcast but uh which police is that podcast yeah yes thank you uh, much respect thank you for, uh, for that um but right at the end it ended just incredibly and you said uh i see the thing i want to make the thing <laughs> that's true man and I, it uh... ended it had just ended like that and you got to something rather than 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 nothing um but i wanted i wanted to to ask you like because i feel that too what what is that see the thing make the thing what's like that, that's just the way you are yeah, I mean, I, I've i always been that way. Like, at the end of the day, if I have something that didn't exist before, like, if it's as simple as a drawing or, you know, rearrange the posters on your wall, whatever it is, you know, like, I like to have something at the end of the day. Like, so a lot of, like, friend time, like, hangout time, like, it's always like, hey, like, we should record a song or, like, we should we should work on something together. We should, and I went to U, uh, U Winnipeg for uh, film school, you know, and a lot of it was, like, we're all hanging out. We all have access to this film gear. So let's, you know, make a short film this weekend type of thing. We all have our ideas. I don't know. I just, I just have an idea and I want to make the thing. And if I don't make the thing, who else is going to make the thing? Right. Like, yeah. and you have a million and one ideas and it's also then your, your job to figure out like, okay, what is, what is a good idea? You know, like I might have 50 ideas for comics but I'm just going to make the one I might have a bunch of ideas for. I write, I'm also like, I write a thing, whether it's song lyrics or a script to a, a comic or whatever it is. Like I'll sit down and I'll write it in one kind of sitting. And I like to think of it as documentary songwriting. Like I rarely do I go back and do a rewrite. Same like when I have the the guys over to, to make the music, like you run through it a little bit, but when we hit record, that first take is usually the take. And maybe it's because I work with really incredible tight musicians that know how to vibe off of each other. But 
It's also just like, we all understand that like we're capturing an idea here and we're not going to overthink it. So that's, and I, and you know what, I have done the due diligence and I've overthought and I've, I've worked on things for months and years and blah, blah, blah. And that's good too. But a lot of the time you just have to, and maybe it's like, cause I've worked as a journalist a little bit in my, in my day job life, but like sometimes you have a deadline and you know, the thing has to be done. Yeah. So just get the thing done and put it out and move on to the next thing. Because also if you sit and dwell on the same thing over and over again, then that might be the only thing that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I really love that. I really love that energy. Of course, you know, like in, in with the philosophy podcast here, you know, I heard you say thing and the thinginess of things like in the, in, in the being, I got, we got to, we got to drop, we got to drop a little bit uh, into the conceptual here, which will be easy for you, but it's, you know, we're jumping between uh, uh, my love of Winnipeg and uh, me staring at a lot of the figures you have behind you uh, in the back. Yeah, I'm in my toy room artist studio right now. I very solid uh, Star Wars action figure collection behind me here. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Nick, what's art? What's art? What What is it? What are you trying to do? Art... I never feel better than when I'm drawing. And this has always been this way in my life. My mom tells a story about when we were moving in, we were moving and I was like two or whatever, moving into a new house and she's unpacking and she leaves me alone for an hour or three, realizes she's left me alone, goes over, finds me in a corner with a pad of paper and a pencil and I'm just drawn away. And that's how I've been all my life. So art to me, like, I don't know if I'm an artist or not, but I definitely... I'm a fan of art and I love to make things and I never feel better than if I'm just sitting there listening to music, listening to a podcast, whatever it is, sitting silently, drawing, inking, coloring, writing, coming up with some sort of concept, mapping out the next six months or a year, whatever it is. Art is just getting your ideas and emotions out of your head, out of your body. It's, it's a therapy thing. And it's like, I've, I've dealt with anxiety for years, you know, like this is a calming thing for me. And I was very wary to start, you know, taking money for, but people just kept coming to me and saying like, Oh, I liked this. Could you do an illustration for me? Could you do an animated music video for me? Could you do this? Could you do that? And you know, the first thing you say is, well, do you have a budget? And if they, uh, in Canada, you can apply for arts grants and things like that. Um, So sometimes, you know, a musician can get a few thousand dollars and and pay someone like Yeah, in the to- US you gotta rob somebody. You got grants up that way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we're we're very lucky here. And I mean grants are very hard to apply for as well. Like they they make you do the work for them. You can spend days writing a grant. Um, but also like so yeah, like I, I was very self-conscious about taking it to that level, but also like because I'm not a graphic designer. And because so many people work in that field and a lot of, you see so much art and it's so clean and perfect. And I was like, well, I sit there and I use my pencil and a pen or an ink brush or whatever it is. And then I can color digitally. I know how to do that. But then I started kind of looking into like the real like epiphany was over the pandemic, a lot of artists, a, a publishing house called Drawn and Quarterly, uh, yeah. here in Canada. They're based out of Montreal and they put out Adrian Tomina is, is by far one of my favorite cartoonists. They put out his books um, and they were doing like, they couldn't do physical book launches. So they were doing these Instagram live at home things. And, and this uh, artist named Joe Ullman, who he just put out a book called fictional father uh, during the pandemic. And he's incredible. And he's been doing it for a million years. And he starts showing his, his, uh, his, his Bristol board and his papers and how he draws by hand. And I was like, okay, like if that is still an acceptable form, then I'm really going to dive into this. If I'm not going to be judged for not using an iPad or whatever, then, and and then the more you get into it, the more you realize like, oh, it's like, it's probably 50-50, like give or take of like people that are still drawing and inking organically uh, to people that are picking up an iPad. And there's nothing wrong with either. It's whatever works for you, but I'm, I'm about to turn 40 and so I'm not really going to want to learn a new trick. That's really what it comes down to. And I feel comfortable. I like 
the the pencil and the eraser and the ink and manipulating and doing watercolors and pencil crayons and other stuff like that. But I also like to digitally color because I like the way that looks. So yeah, it's time consuming to scan everything in, but that's yeah. uh, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I um there's there's a piece um you know, bits we were talking about um. I was thinking too about a zine. The podcast put we have one issue of the zine, oh. something rather than nothing zine. And um, I tell you, just as far as a process, which was completely new for me, um, was a little while back. Uh, second issue is coming out soon, all indigenous issue. But um, oh, sweet! Just uh, seeing, just compiling and seeing, and for me. I'm an organizer. Like I always think in terms of organizing, like almost naturally of connections. Right. And I could see, you know, um, I could see how particularly music, I've heard you talk a bit about music and connecting with the scene, like organizing, doing things, creating mm -hmm. things. And so I really think about that a lot. And I, I wasn't overtly being more overt about doing art on my behalf. I didn't go in and say, oh, like, that's what I'm trying to do. But it's so exciting and enthralling. So I've become very interested in scenes, like Seattle art scene and what comes out of it. And really honing in and saying, a scene can develop in a particular way, produce things that are completely unique to it where I really didn't, I really didn't look closely uh, uh, enough. What do you, what uh, my question is, I'm going on a bit about this, but uh, I heard you talking about, you know, in Winnipeg and that, what, what is the energy or like the energy around the music and, and that type of connection that creates that scene that, that you inhabit and that, that you love? Well, I mean, I'm making this multimedia project, right? And I'm not the only one in Winnipeg who is dabbling in more than one practice of, of making art. There's the, like, I would say that the film and the music scene very much intertwine. Like I've put on shows with projections and, and films and animations and stuff like that while the bands are playing like for my own band and for other bands. Like, but it's, how do, how do I sum up the Winnipeg music scene? The Winnipeg, okay, Winnipeg, if you may or may not know, Winnipeg is one of the coldest places on the planet. Uh, we were colder than Mars one winter about 10 years ago. Um, and so what happens in Winnipeg is that you hide in your basement for at least seven months out of the year. You hide in your house. Like, yeah, like we also are the Slurpee capital of the world somehow. Like you're around. Yeah, people are going Slurpees and murder. That was that was the, the two capitals that we were for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you'll go out in, in minus 40 degrees Celsius to get your Slurpee. Um, but you'll hide out in your basement and you'll write songs and you'll jam with your band and stuff like that. Um, and then we have, it's, it's a very like DIY scene. And, and there's a lot of musicians that kind of walk both lines. Like you can be a working musician and get your, your grant money to go on tour and make your record. And we have a number of like very world-class um, musicians, like I said, John K. Sampson of the Weaker Thans, um, they're beyond incredible. Um, some really amazing talents here uh, that have been doing it for years, producers, musicians, songwriters. Um, but we also have this underground where there's these bands that come up and they live long enough to release their EP. And then their last show that they played is the EP release show. You know, like there's this, we have this thing where we like, we want to make something. We're going to play a show before we're ready and we're going to play this dive and it's going to be amazing. And it is a real, like, like if, if 5% of the bands that broke up actually like kept going, they would have been like the next big thing. Like, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the nineties, it was the, like that Seattle sound. And then they came to Canada and went to Halifax where they found uh, like sub pop, and other labels, Electra stuff, like they found um, Eric's Trip and Thrush Hermit and and all of those great bands that that were you know along the lines of a of a Seattle sound. Mm -hmm. But in Winnipeg, we have like we've got like a big like folk music is kind of the default in Winnipeg, but also just like weird like experimental droning whatever music is also the norm in Winnipeg. So. You are just as likely if you go to a show to see, um, you know, someone playing 
the theremin uh, or the saw or whatever um, as you are to see them playing an acoustic guitar or, you know, like, I mean, there was Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth. Uh, I believe his wife is from Winnipeg, actually. So he's spent some time here and he's done the odd show. He was playing a new music festival gig with uh, Jim Jarmusch was was also on the bill. Um, And they were doing these just like they were like after the big show at the big, beautiful theater, they went and played this like very small show at like a dive bar. And at one point, Lee had strapped a guitar to the ceiling and was just swinging it around. There was no stage. He was just in the corner (laughs) of the room and he's beating the shit out of it. And then this other guy um, who's who's got a Winnipeg experimental band called Field uh, and is also a filmmaker, Greg Hanick. So Greg is like, he's just like jangling uh, bells and like, and making all these, it's just like sound experiment. And that was a big moment for me to just click and be like, music can be anything. Art can be anything. Art is an experience. Art is by yourself. Art is with people. It's, it, it can be anything. And I mean, I'm sure that most of the people that walked away from that show were like, that was complete nonsense. Uh, but there was, you know, the, the small pocket of us that were like, that was important. Thank you so much for 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 coming to our our glacier of a city <laughs> and, uh, I, and making I, noise. I, I love that. And in the sound, I had this um, I had this uh, just just on this bit. I was at a show one time and I was super excited for it. And the name of the band, this is they were called Slow Music and they were at absolute super band i'm not sure if you're familiar but they would pop up in different areas so here's the lineup this is the best way i can do it you had robert fripp uh peter buck from rem lived in portland would be on the guitar they had a drummer uh, from pearl jam and the dude from ministry and revolting Cox. oh wow (laughs) pacing out I'm, i'm i'm spacing out who that was but anyways unbelievable right and they just were experimental jazz and uh so i watched it i wanted to figure out when the show was starting like as a (laughs) like when was this beginning and somebody behind me told me they had seen him once before and they said i was the only person watching the show because for the (laughs) they played a 10 15 minute show and he was like they're playing now yeah. And everybody else was like, dee, 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 dee. he's like, they're <laughs> playing their show now. And he said he watched this show. They came, they walked off when people were saying, hey, we're. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just the sound and the happening. When does the show start? Is that the music or is that the pre or. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that. And I love that experience. But I also love. Being like, okay, the doors are at 7.30, show is at 8, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the show. Um, Not as much anymore, but still like going to the bar, to the bar show, like at, you know, two in the morning or whatever. Like it's, uh, yeah, like there's, there is no right or wrong way to to have a show or to see a show. Uh, The hardest thing is getting people to come to your show. But, uh, you know, once you get them in the room, then they are yours to lose. So you better deliver. Uh, and if you are losing them, just whip out a Joy Division cover or something. And then you'll yeah, there we go. Hey, <laughs> uh, final question on the, the Winnipeg, just as, and this is the curiosity bit. Um, sure. I know in places where it's very cold and uh, that are in the middle part of the country, huge metal places like, like, like Detroit and Milwaukee and Cleveland, all those spots. Is metal big up in Winnipeg because of the conditions and the sheer uh, difficulty of surviving such temperatures? Um. No, not right. Like, I don't know. We, we've got like metal's been defeated partially. Yeah, it's just like you know, metal can warp. You know, like that's it has to be warm enough for the instruments to you know make the noises too. So yeah, like we have we have this thing uh, every February called Festival de Voyager, um, where musicians are told not to bring certain instruments on stage. Like they play outdoors in sometimes minus 30 Celsius. Right. And uh, you're like, yeah, like don't play that particular instrument. Like it's not going to last type thing, but like, I don't know. I mean, we all, we all just survived this. You know, we've all like, I have uh, in my front porch, I have heated floors, you know, like that's, that's how crazy it gets here. Um, But we just, we survive it because we don't know any other way. And we don't want to leave because the summers are hot and beautiful 
And, you know, we all have cabins just outside the city where we go and relax. And I, we, we don't all have cabins outside the city. I'm lucky my parents have a cabin outside the yeah. city where yeah. I can go and relax. Um, but it is, it is, it is hot and it is beautiful. And we have a ton of music festivals all summer long and theater festivals, and we need more film festivals. Um, but there's a lot going on in, in Winnipeg. Uh, and there's always someone with some crazy idea uh, who gets something going. And sometimes it lasts for more than a year. Uh, sometimes it is like a very one-off thing, but yeah. Oh. Winnipeg is an idea city. Cool. Um, thank you so much uh, for dropping into that and everybody. Hey, it's Winnipeg <laughs> time. It's Winnipeg time. I've had uh, Leticia Spence on the show and uh, they did the uh, indigenous uh, logo of the Manitoba moose, which is the, okay, uh, yeah minor league affiliate and also the winnipeg jets the indigenous uh logo beautiful beautiful design and um hey uh what i wanted to ask because i i do like to ask this question um and it's related to art but uh, the the role of art right now i've been asking folks like is something change uh you know uh is there something different about now about the role of art or is it just you know art's this is what art does, no matter when it is. What are your thoughts on that? We live in a world right now where everything that you do has to be monetized in some way, which I don't, I don't agree with and I don't like, and I don't like that competition and that hustle and everything, but you do have to work harder to just stand out and to, and to connect with, with someone like yourself. Like you reached out to me to have this conversation today. And I'm just like, I'm always so grateful. Anytime a drawing or a song or whatever connects with somebody, man, because it is hard. It is, there's so much stuff. There's all the music that existed before we were born. There's all the music and art that existed while we were growing up. And now there's more than ever because it is that old, uh, you know, we all have the microphone now and there's just so much noise and there's so, there's so much to consume. And if I just want to listen to the bands that I grew up with, that's fine. If I want to find some new music, that's fine too, because I have more options and more ways to consume this stuff than I ever had. Yeah. But I think that because there is such a conversation around making and mental health and all of this stuff that art is more important than ever. And I think too, that we, the, the, the kids that are, and I, and I don't mean like, like in a derogatory way, the kids, like I, I call people kids and kiddos because I, it's like a term of endearment for me. Yeah, um, yeah. So the, the kids and kiddos coming up that are making stuff, they have access to learn. Like we had to work very hard. Like we would listen to campus radio and we would, you know, my older cousin who's 10 years, my senior would, would tell me about cool stuff. And that's how I learned about cool stuff. Yeah. And, and now it's like at your fingertips, you can flip through Instagram or what have you. And, and find amazing stuff. But also we don't spend as much time with the stuff, unfortunately. So like I might spend a month making uh, a comic book and, you know, someone flipping by on Instagram will see the post about it and they, they click the like and they might not check it out or whatever. But hey, you know, at least I had their attention for a split second and you hope that everyone who who goes by is like, okay, I've seen this going around. I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna spend some some real time checking it out. And uh, you just hope that your words, whether you're trying to entertain or enlighten or educate or just you know take somebody's mind off the hell that uh, that is that is the world right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's all you can do and all i'm trying to do is i know i'm i make stuff that i know i would like and that i you know if if i were a person consuming this stuff like i'd like this music or i'd like these comics or whatever like like the olivia c comic is very much like i call it like a, a quote-unquote superhero satire like the tick or something but it's also very grounded in uh in the reality of you know am i good enough all these yeah. anxieties um and i i feel like there's a lot of stuff like, because if you don't care about your characters, then why should I care about the story that you're telling? And so you have to have well-rounded characters that work. And that's something I take from film class. Like that's thing number one that my, my professor, John Kozak uh, would, would say to us, why am I watching these characters? Why do I care about these characters? Yeah. 
And anytime I watch a film or read a book or read a comic or whatever it is, why do I care about these characters? You got it. And whether they're a likable, unlikable protagonist, whatever, just give me a reason to hook into it. Like there's so many gimmicks and whatever. And it's like, even like you turn on a, some new Marvel cinematic universe movie and it's like, why do I care about this character? Well, because it's Spider-Man. It's like, yeah. right. But if I've never heard of Spider-Man before, why do I care about Spider-Man? Well, because he's like this like OG shucks kid. Yeah, yeah. He likes yeah. that girl and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. And that's why we like Spider-Man because we've all had a crush on a girl that was out of our league or whatever it is, right? Like, so, and that was something very smart that, uh, that Stan Lee and Steve Ditko did was they were like, we need to make these characters relatable. And a lot of that stuff gets lost in the like, you know, oh, the art is incredible. It's like, yep, the art is incredible, but the story that you're telling with the art is not so great. So I don't know whether you're an artist who doesn't like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like a middle, like I'm a pretty good artist and a pretty good writer. Like I'm not the best. I'm not the worst, but I'm like, I'm like John Cusack at high fidelity when he's like, I'm not, I'm not the dumbest guy in the room. I'm certainly not the smartest guy. I know who I am. Yeah, I know who I am. I can can move between. (laughs) Yeah, like that's that's kind of where I am. Like I'm comfortable in my groove. And if you like the stuff I put out, thank you. That's awesome. If you don't like the stuff, hey, no sweat off my back. There's a million other things in the world to like. Um, So that's how I approach everything and i don't remember what your original question was no it doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter i mean if you've listened to this podcast before i mean it's why is there something rather than nothing if you're gonna ask that yeah. question, <laughs> show i mean you're everybody's coming in and you know um but hey i did want to ask you that and make sure i ask you that uh, i heard your answer in the i see the thing i want to make the thing but I never want to take away the opportunity to take in a crack at the, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there something rather than nothing? Because if there, if there is nothing, then there's no conversation about it. If there is something, then you can connect and you can have a conversation. And that's really like, it's just, it, this is all about connecting with people. This is you and I connecting right now. This is someone on a, on a bus listening to us connecting right now, feeling like they're yeah. uh, observing us, you know, have a conversation, whatever it is, connecting with us that way. Um, talking about art is, is just as important as making art. I've been on all sides of it. I've been a film critic. I've been a music critic. I've made art. I've put my, my name on my stuff and put my money where my mouth is. So making something rather than nothing uh, is important to the conversation uh, it's important if you're someone who wants to leave a legacy. It's important if you're someone who just has something to say. Uh, just getting something out feels better than not getting something out. Yeah, man, I, I really, I really dig that. I wanted, I wanted to drop into something here, uh, Nick. Uh, so we're talking about comics, and in 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 it's it the uh, getting excited about them for me. It's the color, it's the pizzazz, it's the counterculture. But I tell mm-hmm. you something, I uh, so I I've started to paint and, and create more things that are from my hands. Just the last few years, I'm 50 yes. right now, about the last yes. five years or so. But I've had ideas of characters that have been percolated in my head about comic characters and this and that and. You know, without them flowing right off the pen, they, you know, inhabit a certain space. But I work with Mark J. Palm, who is uh, an artist uh, I've had on the show. And I told him, I said, Mark, I don't know what I'm asking. Can you create this character that's 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 in my head? And I was so excited about it because I'm trying to tell Mark at the same time, yo, these things have been in my head for a long time <laughs> and they haven't gone out the pen. So uh, Mark and I have, uh, he's he's created the, the manifestation of the first superhero that emanates out of the something rather than nothing podcast. And this character is Cyborg Harambe. Harambe <laughs> taking out at the Cincinnati Zoo in a very unfortunate incident that impacted yeah, yeah. everybody. But a lot of people don't know that they were able to reconstitute uh, Harambe as cyborg Harambe, uh, as uh, maybe righting the wrongs 
uh, of the world uh, as it goes along. So I, for the first time in my life, have what was in my being up here working with the comic creator to create Cyborg uh, Harambe. And if that's not the power of art and telling yeah. you, Nick, about Cyborg Harambe and the things you create <laughs> as well, then I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm happy to be able to do these type of arty things with you, honestly. And it's, yeah, um, it's, 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 it's a real, it's a real blast. Um, that sounds awesome, by the way. <laughs> it's coming. Just, I got to even go yeah. to Mark. I say, I don't know how to hold this entity. I, how do we push it out into the world? And we'll be doing that. So cyborg Harambe and, uh, writing the wrongs of, of the world, Nick, how do um how do folks all around the world uh, listeners or something rather than nothing get in contact? You've mentioned a few ways to get in in touch with the your music and your visuals. You also write and you have a collection of uh, short stories as well, I believe. Nick, uh, how do how do folks do all these things, including the book "Understanding Anti Skip Technology: Short Stories and Other Nonsense"? Yes, uh, that is. Where do, where do we go? The yeah, uh, you can go to for all your Olivia C stuff, uh, oliviac.net, uh, or at oliviac33 on all your socials. Um, so there's animated music videos, there is music, you know, find it all on, on Spotify, uh, and Apple and Bandcamp and things like that. Um, you can also find just my regular portfolio website, uh, nickelastronaut.wordpress.com. And I'm at Nickel Astronaut on all your socials. Uh, that is something, that is a name I came up with in the MySpace days. Uh, and, I've, and I've kept it going uh, ever since. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, you can you can find me on there and just, you know, hit me up. Uh, I've got all this stuff for sale, like through a big cartel page. And that's all linked off of both websites. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Book of Short Stories is super fun. It comes with a CD as well of uh, a bunch of songs that I've written over the years that different people have, have played. So like different bands and then covers that other people have done of my songs, uh, which is always incredibly flattering. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a collection of short stories that are like some are total nonsense and some are super funny. Like um, a young woman tries to rescue her aunt from her uncle's supposed ghost only to find herself in a house filled with Louis Riel impersonators. Louis Riel was a, a Canadian. Well, you'll figure it out. Uh, two girls break into houses for fun and turn it into a babysitting gig. A young man tries to get a job developing photos and is nearly swallowed up by a hole in his crush's driveway, etc., uh, etc. Et so, yeah, that's a fun collection. And then I have issue one and two of the unpredictable Olivia C are available uh, to order right now. And I will be at TCAF in Toronto uh, at the end of April, the final weekend in April. And that is a big show. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I will Tell have us about a, that. Tell us about that event. I'm not familiar with it. Tell us about the it. TCAF is a Toronto comic arts festival and it is the big show. Like, uh, publishers like Fantagraphics and drawn and quarterly will be there. Oh my. Um, like, uh, big names have got like Neil Gaiman, um, you know, the cartoonist kayfabe guys like Jim Rugg and Ed Piscor, like, all sorts of like, like not just Canadians, but big American and European yeah. names yeah. will come to TCAF. It is a, a two day event uh, in uh, downtown Toronto at their uh, reference library, which is like a five story building. So it's three floors of comics. Um, it, I, I hear that they have about 25,000 people come through. I, I was incredibly humbled uh, to put in my submission and be accepted uh, this year. So uh. to be able to, to take my stuff, and go to this big show in Toronto. That's um, a big I, one. That's a big one then, huh? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It is a big one. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, so I'll be selling uh, like some exclusive variant covers of Olivia C at that show, as well as like you can pick up the cassette there. Uh, you can pick up the book. Um, but I'm just like, I'm anytime I go to one of these shows in Winnipeg or in a different city, it's just so cool to be around other creators for a few days and just like, they pick my brain about Winnipeg and the scene and I pick their brain about like, just like making stuff, you know, like, well, how do you get this printed? Do you do this yourself? Blah, blah, blah. Like, and it just, it feels the first one I went to, I was like, I've never felt more like myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to, to, to mention on like that, that type of atmosphere. I went to, um, like a, just a zine fest in Portland. Right. And it wasn't just that it was one at a hotel, but 
Craig Thompson, who's done Blankets, and oh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. He, he was there. Uh, Mark Palm, that's where I met Mark Palm and had him on the show. I met uh, Jack Kent, who does Sketchy People, had him on the show. Veronica Casson does Grind Like, Grind like a Girl um, zines there. Um, but on this point, too, where you go and then, like, you're having these conversations and it's it's – if you're into it and you're unapologetic about your enjoyment, then it, it, it that's why I've had five or six guests come out of the thing. Cause I'm like, Oh, you too. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> no, I yeah, totally yeah. get that. You know, that, that vibe in the Toronto bit, you can't tell me too much more about it. You got to promote it because I got to get to Winnipeg before I get to, to <laughs> Toronto or maybe I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to do this. I have been, um, I grew up in the northeast of uh, the U.S. in Rhode Island, so I've spent okay. uh, s- some time up in uh, Toronto, on Ont- Ontario. I adore Montreal, but have not been to Winnipeg, and I will look to visit you when I make it up to the yeah, man, definitely. The, if you, the, the I, I hope that I've. I hope I've sold you on Winnipeg. I hope I've. Uh, I hope I've sold you all on Winnipeg. Um, it yeah. is. Yeah. It is a creative hub. It is uh, like we. I've had I've had friends who have who have left and gone on to, you know. Sometimes they move to Toronto. Sometimes they move to the states to quote unquote make it type of thing. Um, but I've done enough work here to know that you can you can stay in Winnipeg. Uh, and a lot of those people came back to Winnipeg too because uh, you know. But I just I don't I don't know why you would if you, if you want to leave the city to to chase your dreams or whatever like go do it that's great. Um, but I haven't quite felt the need to do that. You know, I feel like I can, I can make things at, at my level and stay comfortable. And if, if I were a better musician, I'd be going out on tour. Um, but I'm not a, a great musician. I'm a, I'm an okay musician. I think I'm a good songwriter. And that's why I have like these great musicians play on these Olivia C records. And I play a little too, like bass or synthesizer or whatever, you know, but, um, but because I don't go on tour with a band, I go on tour with comics. And so that's, so I'm, I'm, there's a few shows that maybe haven't been announced yet that I'll also be going to uh, across the country. But uh, yeah, Toronto, end of April, look for, for me, Nick Friesen, look for Olivia C uh, at TCAF in Toronto at the end of April. That's really exciting. That's that's really exciting to hear. And I really appreciate it, Nick. Um, I got to tell you, it's been great chatting with you. And when I told you right up, I was like, I, I'm just going to approach him directly. Like Winnipeg <laughs> Jets. I didn't say a uh, biggest Winnipeg Jets fan in Oregon. I'll take on all comers. Um, but, uh, you know, the Jets and the, and the comic and, and dropping into cassettes and talking comics and talking philosophy. Um, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. I think we both have to apologize to our our partner Jenny's for whatever this is engendered with regards to rabbit holes and otherwise apologies in advance for um, my dropping into hockey rock probably for the next three and a half days. <laughs> but you know, my, my, my wife actually wrote a, she's, she's a, she's a writer and she wrote a column about uh, hockey rock and did a deep dive with the guy who created it and everything. And that's on the Winnipeg free press. Well, website, you, so. well, you've taken yeah, away my question as who do I talk to next? It looks like if we have that deep research on hockey rock, that's how the show rolls. So, um, yeah. Nick, it's it's been a great pleasure to talk to you and um, to, to, to spend some time and chatting about this. Uh, folks, as I mentioned, uh, Lottie in the Black and White Room will be the track taking us out. But uh, Nick Friesen, uh, thank you so much for popping on the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. Thanks so much, Ken. This has been awesome. Absolutely. Take care, brother. You too, man. Stop.
This is something rather than nothing. I like that part at the end.